You're listening to On Conversation, and I am the legend Keith Chandler. This is our 17th episode, which is great because that means our first season of this podcast is almost an adult. So I guess that's a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us this week. We took a week off so we could recoup, relax, and travel. And this week we discuss critical race theory. Dun, dun, dun. It's a hot topic these days, whether or not systematic racism exists within our government system, school system, economic system, and other places. So stick around, hang out, and enjoy the argument between Joey and Brad. Later on in the episode, we discuss my journey to Ohio and back, specifically with a focus on the state of West Virginia. And that's it. Our sponsor this week is Sweet Sounds Records, fallen on deaf ears since 2012. Check them out at sweetsoundsrecords.com. The intro music this week is the now-completed track by Odd Circles called Beats Broken. We hope you enjoy it. If you have any feedback for us or anything you'd like to share with us or say, hit us up, sweetsoundsrecords1, that's the number one, at gmail.com. We appreciate everyone listening, all your support and feedback. If you can find a like button, smash it, as they say. If you can't, don't worry about it. But tell your friends. In the meantime, enjoy the show. took a week off right was it a week feels like two i got a summer cold and so i was hacking and coughing really badly and then these guys are super slack and didn't show up well it was raining and i think joey wanted to i think joey wanted to take an easy day the weather was a bummer it was raining totally i actually remember thinking specifically if the weather was nicer i would be like gangbusters into the coffee shop to do a podcast well plus you guys you guys are just boring together without mm. me, is what it is. Mm. And you just don't want to increase the boredom factor. So wait, we were talking about, we were going to talk about narcissism? <laughs> no. <laughs> don't, don't make him laugh. It's going to make me cough. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody like has had this happen, but I got a summer cold. Then I went and got tested for COVID to make sure I didn't have it because I've had the uh, vaccines. But... Then, so people look at me like I have COVID, so I make sure I cough mm-hmm. around a bunch of people. Oh, no, I, not really. But uh, I haven't had a cold in so long, it's whooped my ass. But anyway, this is week, starting week two with the cold. You lost all, right. all your immunity. All your common have. cold immunity. Yeah, because we wore masks, and then before that, I don't think I had a cold for a couple of years. So well, That's an interesting thought. Yeah, you lose your immunities because you're not being exposed. Well, and the cold has so many different... Iterations of itself. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Right, right, right. yeah, but I think we were missing out on all those light exposures that you don't even notice that continue right. to, you know, uh, build your tap yeah. your, yeah, right. right, right, or prime, yeah, like I'll letting little kids play in dirt, yep. yeah, like that kind of a thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let the kids play in dirt is a very popular, like, in issue that people are super adamant about right now, too, like new methods of child rearing, right? Ooh, or what are we exposing new the children old, to? Right. New old methods. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I think that's a good segue into the CRT conversation. So, yeah, so... uh, What are the children being exposed to? So we took the week off. Last weekend was rainy, and we took the weekend off. Brad was ill. 
I went to Ohio to see my mother for her 86th birthday, which was Friday. Um, and then congratulations on the 86th birthday. Yeah, holy crap, yeah. man, that woman, holy crap. Um, She's going to hit 90. At some point, I want to briefly talk about uh, my ride through West Virginia because I have a growing fascination with West Virginia. North Carolina is my favorite state in the Union, but I have a growing fascination with West Virginia. We'll come to that later. However, the conversation today mountains. is going to be stemmed from the idea that I was driving home, and what we were just discussing before we hit record was how dismal the drive is once you get out of Raleigh going 40 east to come here because it's nothing. And then when you get off of 40, after you've been doing... It's basically you go through a bunch of farmland heading to Wilmington, and then you cut off about halfway to Wilmington and from Raleigh. And then you... Veer through more farmland. And then you veer through more Duplin County, a lot of grapes. Right. And and, and chicken farms. And hogs and whatever else. Anyway, but so on the radio, and Hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure it was NPR, uh, there were many programs going, but I heard one program about uh, CRT, which is Critical Race theory and why or why not it should or shouldn't be taught because i guess it is a big is a big thing now which is it really isn't a big thing it's been made into a big thing because spoiler alert critical race theory is not taught in k-12 schools wait but if you make a big deal out of something by definition it is a big deal if people care about something a lot even if it's not worth caring about then it's it becomes worth right, caring I guess. about yeah i guess well, so, so it the, would be a big deal the, the thing but they're caring about something that doesn't exist it's not taught in k-12 schools well the, the two bits okay i would like an explanation of it's not yeah it's not taught it's in, we don't we don't it's not in the curriculum to talk about systemic racism in k-12 schools we don't i mean because i was a history teacher Right, and a hmm. civics teacher. Yeah, but how long ago were you, and are you aware eight of any years curriculum, and the curriculum changes? Hasn't changed in eight years. Who has control over curriculums? Is it a school board thing? Is it a state? So, thing? in theory, the state writes the curriculum for the state. The state board of education writes it with input from various stakeholders, and then. It's interpreted by the individual classroom teacher. If there are complaints to the board, they could actually change the curriculum. In theory, education is supposed to be controlled by the local governance. Well, so the the two which things is why people can complain at a school board and it changes something in the school system. That's the way it's designed to do. Yeah. Or be happy about something and suggest it to the school board, and the school board does it. And because localized issues. You know, something about fishing would not be important up in the mountains, you know. So we might want to teach coastal conservation here where you wouldn't teach in the mountains if you were going to spend time. What about river fishing? Yeah, so you might do river, river stuff, and you would change the curriculum to do river stuff. But well, the two things in theory, that's the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't, you know, I mean. Well, the guy brought up two things in the show, and he said in the 30s during World War II, I forget where. During European world, because we weren't 30s? Yeah, during the 30s. This was like at the start of, I guess, like World War II. Okay, before we got into it. Right, before we were officially involved. Gotcha. And the guy said that, I forget where, maybe it was in Texas, Oklahoma. Anyway, uh, the school board, the state had approved certain textbooks that, and I forget what it was that they included in the curriculum, but they were books that had been in use for some time. And somebody on the school board got a hair in their butt about it because 
they said that what, and I forget exactly the specific example the guy was using, but it was going to create racists, not, not educate people to not be racist. And okay. so, and so the solution was the school board solution was, according to this one person, was what they wanted to do was burn all these textbooks. Well, of course, that would have looked very bad in right. the states because the only person burning books at that point publicly were the Nazis. Nazis. So then, I guess in Kanawha County in West Virginia, this is not the thing about West Virginia I want to talk about, but Kanawha County is where Charleston is and the Kanawha River. So it's the capital. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was then. I'm going to assume so. Um, but uh, Kanawha County had a similar thing with textbooks that had been in use and been approved. And a school board member got on and started making noise about it for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Something, it was something about how they were teaching it, it being r- critical race theory. And that, uh, but that didn't have that name then. That's a, that's a I guess, CR, the, the name is a new thing. We'll get to that in a second. At least so I was told what I, what I heard. Um, and the woman said what, what, what was happening was that they were teaching white people to be ashamed of the fact that they were white, which would then cause guilt, which would then cause anger, hmm. and then inadvertently make a racist when you didn't want to. And so then I forget what the extreme action there was, but in the radio, the, the CRT, the name itself supposedly was from some guy who went on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News, and that's what he blurted out. Oh. And, he, and he said that the president has the re, you know can get involved, should step in, should be or you know write an executive order. I or whatever. just assumed and that then, that like, was a couple an of days later. Term. Trump Trump did that, it. That guy that, went to the White House and then Trump wrote. That's not, so you've got that wrong. Critical race theory was coined. Well, in he's only academia. He was admitting that he was okay. Only, well, yeah, yeah, well yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you what yeah. I, I'm not saying it's correct. I'm telling you what so I. So that's what they said on NPR. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. Well, so they said that that it never had never been in use and it wasn't a big thing until this guy went on. No, we've been. I talked about it ten years. Okay. I find well, your point I shocking academia. and grossly offensive. <laughs> no, but so, so, sir, but so there's no. That, but I'm so. not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that 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 particular thing is wrong because <laughs> I was talking wrong. I'm about saying it. that what you're saying is incorrect. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, I yeah. misunderstood yeah. it too. I mean, that's, so you, that's you could have misunderstood. Maybe I, that's I was when the trying to stay away. That's when that's when <laughs> that's when Tucker started really <laughs> blurbing on yeah. about it. Yeah, and then he started talking about like so, dragons, and then he was talking about like so an acquaintance the record, of mine I haven't seen in a long time who turned into somebody else. Record, <laughs> for the record, critical race theory is a construct that's used to to locate and label systemic racism. That's all it is. That's right. a pretty a precise theory. definition. Yeah. That's oh, and what? Oh, that's a, I use it. What it was in the '30s was they didn't want to teach people that because they needed people to go. They well, were, and know, it's that, not as old as the '30s. It's it's '60s, '70s. When that when people actually started using it as construct, because what what happened was people had a feeling that there was systemic racism because the South had never been reformed mm-hmm. from the white supremacy that had controlled it and Jim Crow forever. And so well, yeah, so yeah. there was literally legislated and enforced racism in the right, South and right. segregation, and so, having nothing to do with just so, like people's perceptions, so, but actually so legal. So once that was legalized, mm. then there was still systemic problems in our institutions that were still present, but that were not Are necessarily we illegal. Or Roger or Williams or something? What is this? What? Mm. Sorry. It's just like, yeah, it's I so thought operatic. it was like Keep a, going, a chill sorry. hip-hop playlist. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so what we use it for is just that. It is not something we talk about 
innately in K-12 schools, even when we're talking about reconstruction and the failure of reconstruction. I learned about reconstruction in yes. 11th grade. Yeah, we talk about reconstruction. And they, well, teach, in slave, they teach about slavery yes. in elementary school. Yes, but that being said, they also, almost all school, well, as far as I know, Everyone sees Gone with the Wind, which is a white supremacist piece of propaganda. So, I mean, it's not unusual that people think slavery was this noble thing, mm-hmm. right? When Dude, it was really yeah, god-awful, tearing people's babies from them, okay. drawing and quartering people, killing people on the spot. I don't think that people, people, to death. people who oppose critical race theory oppose the teaching of the realities of slavery, though. I no, think that's not. something people... Re- the realities of slavery were like you know whitewashed and misrepresented in textbooks many decades ago, especially no, in the no, South. No, 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 but no, uh, right. It's so we don't necessarily talk about that with uh, fourth graders or, or whatever when they have their little bit on the Civil War or whatever. I remember in fifth but grade it, learning about, and I know this isn't specific. Well, I mean it's racially related, but I remember in fifth grade learning about all the bad stuff that Columbus did. Instead of just getting like the Columbus right, so sailed the counter- ocean blue That's what you're supposed deal. to do. You're yeah. supposed to get a counterbalance of. Fun fact: Columbus didn't discover America. Yeah, I think the discovery term is kind of debatable. Like, but America, the country, he never. He never even set foot in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And now so you're you know. supposed to get a point, <laughs> a point to counterpoint on that, and then the class, you know, kind of discusses it, which is what you do in Reconstruction when you're talking about slavery. Um. You know those those kinds of things. I think everybody. But that's is, not critical race theory. If you're talking about none uh, of talking about that is critical race theory. If you're talking about historical, uh, civic, or <coughs> like political education, I think that everybody, like as a good faith point, I think everybody agrees that they want historical facts taught, they want intelligent discussion, and right. they don't want ideology to be taught. I think everybody agrees about that across the board, but they well, disagree about what represents facts versus what represents ideology. Well, and also, it's almost impossible not to teach an ideology because it's the ideology is part of your cultural framing. And so when you make a statement, like when I make a statement like that, that Gone with the Wind is... Is, well, no, I can prove that it's white supremacist. But <laughs> the 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 I it's like who is it that said you can't be standing still on a moving train, Howard Zinn? Right. The idea that it's you, definitely relevant your, to this conversation. Your ideology comes filtering through. Even so, we have this. Um, <laughs> If you represent the experience and the viewpoint of the majority of people, then you're going to present an ideology which That's favors... the majority of the people, yeah. right. And it's just the way you put the verbs in the sentence, the um. way you antecede the, the action, right? And it's, it's just like the way you... And can you present a know. historical narrative without having good guys and bad guys? Okay, here's an ideology... Well, yes, you can. So, and, and so some of that is... You can't, it's contextual to the times. Like if we're starting about Sparta and Athens, or if we're talking about the South versus the North, I mean, the context of the time when slavery existed is a totally different time than now. So we can also layer the context of that time and say, well, how did good white people 
like have slaves? Like, is it possible to be good and white and to have slaves, right? And okay, so that's a good critical race theory point. So, I think so. We talk about like, well, what kind of mental gymnastics did they had to do to be able to have that? Well, they had medical theories back then that backed up mongoloidism, which was like that the brain casing of of black people were smaller than the brain casings of white people. They had all these flawed studies that they had done to kind of prove the point that, that so they could otherize the black society and culture so therefore they could enslave them, right? So just like you same thing you do with your pet, like or, or oh. something you otherize somebody to be able to or, discriminate. Yeah, yeah, okay, but you're, um, uh, okay, that's super specific. More well, I try to do a specific example. Yeah, so. more, I appreciate that. More broadly, okay, what about the question of um, are, are white people good? Or could, well, I mean, could you consider a, okay, a person who owns slaves, could they be good? Could they do good things? Um, well, that's what Gone with the Wind proposes is that slavery wasn't that bad. Is it proposing right. that slavery wasn't that bad, or is it humanizing people who owned slaves and benefited from slavery? It's both of those. It's both of those. So it's, it, it, I mean, if you read her letters, she's, you know, she's pretty much a white supremacist, the woman that wrote Gone yeah. with the Wind. So, um, well, Mar Margaret Sanger was a white supremacist, too, based on what she said. But is, is that... Should, should that but destroy again, or harm the legacy but again, of white Planned Parenthood? We're contextualizing, uh, we're contextualizing, I mean, if we contextualize it to the time that it was, you know, and the economic problem of slavery, which was that 40% of the wealth of the South was in slaves. I mean, it's, it, and, and the, the South pretty much fed the, the whole continent, right? And so the idea that, that's why it was so hard to make judgments against it because the food came from there, the clothing came from there. Like, so if we contextualize it at that time, the problem becomes much more difficult than it is now. Like, yeah. we, looking back, we can say that was a terrible idea. Okay, so does that right. affect your judgment of the morality of the people who are yes. living here? Well, I... Well, it does, it does to I the think people fact who that prescribe we don't agree pe with pe them. People who... Um, utilize who advocate for utilizing critical race theory because i'm going to use the term utilize because you're well, specifically referring to this it as is being not a tool. critical race theory what we're talking no, about. no no okay what i'm saying is is that people who also tend to utilize critical race theory or view it as being a valuable tool um are the same people who um would well for instance advocate that um anybody who owns slaves does not have a uh, a productive, good, valuable sort of like perspective or contribution. Right, but like, no one owns slaves now, so like we're, they're not. But including in the past. Well, that the foundations of America they, are are poisoned. Yes. And I think that that the people, how people think of America, 
like the concept of America, the country of America, the political institution of America but again, is where a lot of this argument is taking place. I mean, even personally, we have sins of things that we have, we were not happy about doing where we're on the wrong side of history. You know, if you go back in history, every culture has sins that were on the wrong side of history. Every one of them, including the great cultures of Sparta, Athens, Rome, yeah. Thebes, all of them did some crazy shit. I mean, this was it the Spartans that used to, or I, I think it was the Athenians that used to, any baby that had a mental illness or whatever, they just, they'd lock them up and then one of the days they'd run them through the town and, well, they would do all these crazy tortures to them, then they would run them to the town and that's where the term scapegoat came from. They would put all their worries on these mentally ill people and then they'd drive them out of town and starve them to death outside the city limits. Uh, like, so... That's where the term scapegoat came from. So we all have these, like, sins in the past. Critical race theory is not about that, though. Critical race theory is about now and looking for systemic racism now that's still in our institutions. Okay, I'm, yeah, culture. I'm getting away. I'm getting <coughs> into what people perceive yeah. critical race well, theory they're wrong. to be. Well, but I don't, that's not what it is. But I don't think that that is sufficient to convincing people. Well, it's in, in, what it in is. Argument. You have well, to... You have to approach people. Okay, I think fundamentally it's it's no. an argument over the question. I can of, say they're wrong. Is, yeah, you can literally. Say they're wrong. I'm a professor. I teach part of this. I'm not a critical race theorist, but I teach part of this, and they are wrong. Yeah. Okay. And you can. That's do, not what it is. You can do whatever you want, but the question: What's the goal? Like, is the goal to convince them? No. Or I don't care. Okay. So the thing no, you can't then, convince then them. Then we're going to have They've increasingly more and more and more and more well, conflict listen. in the country about education. That we've Until always we had some kind of breaking point. Education. Yeah, There's um, no way to convince them because they're not using the correct parameters of the terms. Like until they believe the definitions that this of is words depend. Words mean what people take them to mean. You can't believe. assert your definition of a word that's what on we do somebody in, else. That's what we do in academia. That's why we have finite definitions of things that mean certain things. And we have dictionaries and shit where people look the stuff up. Well, I think you're. You're basically deciding that you're going to, like, not communicate with somebody. You're choosing to use a different language than somebody else that they won't understand you in. There are very specific languages that people don't understand, like the language of medicine, which is why we use doctors. Well, a lot of people, never mind, I won't make that. I've made that joke before. So I majored no, in English and I, I I'm speak. saying that mm. if they don't believe that the definition <laughs> of the thing is what the thing really is, then it's very difficult for me to convince them. What the thing well, really is. Okay. Yes, because that's what it really is, because well, we defined it all right, in academia. So, that, yeah, so but the, you don't control the definitions of words. As, as We do. No, you don't. Yes, we do. People control the definition. The populace controls the definitions of words. No, but science, the whole point of social science and the sciences in academia is the definitive definitions of very specific points. And because they believe Tucker Carlson over the entire academic community is a problem, you're right. But mm. the idea that I can convince them... I'm saying the problem is the inability of people to communicate with each other. Well, I'm going to tell you... They're the ones not believing <laughs> the real definitions. Okay, they well, could say the same thing about you using academic definitions that they don't but acknowledge But that's what academia valid. does. We make definitions okay. of words and we assign them. In all seriousness... To what here's, purpose? Here's to create a system of understanding. It's called knowledge. But what if it doesn't assist in people understanding each other? It's not helping them understand you. 
they, but if we don't assign a valid definition to something, then how are we supposed to all agree on it? We agree. And we have experiments that show what critical race theory does. We have we had experiments people that agreed, show. People, people were able to communicate using words prior to academics assigning them meanings. That's very true, but the words were very, very fluid and they were able to be controlled by the nobility that control the definitions of the words. You think you're assort asserting a form of control that you don't actually I'm not have. asserting a form of control. I'm saying that's what we've assigned that definition. If you don't believe it, there, I don't know exactly how I can convince you to believe it. Uh, except for there's this. In critical race theory, we actually have lots of evidence. Let me give you a normal evidentiary standpoint that's given to prove it. Yeah, you we can approach people and you can speak to them in a language that they, that they understand. Like if you were trying to communicate with somebody who spoke a different language than you, would you just continuously try to assert the meaning of but your it's own not, language it's to them? But it's not just the language. It's the fact that they're believing someone that's not an expert. I would They're agree that that is Tucker a separate Carlson, intertwined issue. And he is not a professor of critical race but theory. But people don't acknowledge people as being experts well, on they critical should. race theory. They, we do acknowledge. We have whole professorships that are critical race theorists. People don't view those as valid. They don't view them as being valid in the same way that somebody can be a, like a doctor or a medical expert well, that's or a scientific because they're, expert. They're, they are scientific experts in that particular social phenomenon. I think... I think in general right now, I think... That is because the, 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 we have had some post postmodern social theories that were kind of wonky, and I, people yeah. have poked holes in them, people but that doesn't mean all of it's... People are full of academia because it's not relatable to them. I think people understand intuitively It's the not logic. designed to be relatable. We're, we're, we're viewing kinda, really that's specific... That's kind of what I was getting ready to say. We're viewing that. really specific phenomenon that doesn't... It might not even affect their lives. So we're viewing very specific phenomenon that they, it, they don't have time to sit down and understand it. I and that's it, what we're paid to do. I think it's significantly easier to convince somebody that their understanding of race would benefit from hearing about the experiences of somebody of a different race rather than any kind of academic notions or ideas. I think that's a much easier and more you, productive sell. It's interesting. You're always trying to dismiss academia even yeah, though you it sounds even like, though it sounds everything like fascism, <laughs> sounds like intellectual fascism to me. well even though almost everything you are throwing at us is academic well the idea the academic design in academia stand you learned it at carolina being, no i didn't you learned a lot of this shit at carolina i knew most of it before and then i don't I got believe a lot that. of it i don't most of what right, i well, know well, about critical well, so race look, theory look, i got from having a tumblr account look, like 10 years ago here so the 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 thing with language and difference in language i'll say this much and i say this half in jest and half serious which is uh i I had a hard time accepting when the definition of literally became figuratively. And when people bought that hook, line, and sinker, that's when I knew we would start having problems moving forward into the future. Mm -hmm. And I was right. Mm. And so you talk about people... That's a natural thing. I think it's a great example, though. Right, no, no, yeah. but accepting... And you being technically correct about the definition of literally isn't helping you communicate or under, with right. or any. And every time anybody. I bring this up, people chew my ass, but that's, you know, so I just don't bring it up. The second thing I was going to say was the thing on the radio when they were talking about all this was, if I understood correctly, I got the impression that the people who were fired up about not wanting 
critical race theory taught in schools. And why would you not want it taught? Actually, well, this is well the the reason one of the. I reasons, mean, we don't teach it, but why would why would you care? Well, but so the the reason why is because I guess some people think that it, it causes violence in society, like it causes well, people no, to want to. Well, no, hang on, hang that it that it that it it, it denigrates being. A proud white American, and that it and that it shames white people. That is something yeah. called white fragility, which is a whole other. That's a whole issue. different thing, and I, people yeah, yeah, dislike right. it because they view it as being literally racist. But, the, but no, it's of, because they don't have to deal with race. But based part of it stress. too was in the thirties, mm. they didn't. The, the people that's who were a, that's the concept. I think that's of white very. Ac- I know. I the, think that's a very academic. Like even. But both, that's what both we, the notion and the terminology you're using are very esoteric. But even well, hang on, hang it's on. It's very precise. But I'm even telling the, you very precise things that race-based stress is the stress that people have but, because of their race. But you're not going to convince anybody that you're right using that kind of terminology. I convince though. classes of it all the time. So well, the yeah, other the thing, top one, like the top one to like five percent intellectually in the state where you're a professor, like. The other thing was in the 30s that the, one of the big picks they didn't want any of this taught then was because I guess they thought, we thought, I say we, the collective, uh, thought we were going to get involved in the war at some point and they knew they'd have to gear people up and they wanted, you know, they were trying to drum up patriotism. Right. You know, fight for the world, fight for the country, fight against communism, you know, fight the good fight. And that if you start teaching people in schools that the foundations of the country are flawed, that we definitely did enslaved people, whether they were black or Irish or Jewish or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you pick your poison, right? But in this, right. in this case, we're talking about race, so, um, and that they didn't want people, they didn't want to try to get people geared up for the war by making them feel crappy about the foundations of their country and where they come from in their history. Yeah, I think it's not just an, a, a practical tool in that case, but I think that people naturally want to feel patriotic. Right, and when there's nothing wrong with them feeling country. patriotic. I but mean, like I said, every society has history, crazy shit that went think. on in the people background. Who, people who object to critical race theory view it as an engine that people are doing to get young people to hate America. That is not true. That's I, not no, none of that's I'm true. Say, yeah, I'm we, not we saying know that's it's not true. true. I'm that, saying it's true that that's what they're lying. They're lying to the population. They're not lying. No, okay. I think Tucker Carlson knows that it's not that, and I think he's making that shit up. Maybe to yeah. And, and OAM and them saying crazy stuff, all is made up. But I think the people who, like the, the parents who are jumping up at school board meetings who hate it and are, I think they are honestly trying to help help their children, they're trying to help their country, and if they're, if they're misled, they are... They're genuine, they're, they're genuine in their misguidance. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. yeah. Or if they're wrong, then they're yeah, you, misled. You, right. can't, you can't hold it necessarily against them that that is happening right i mean they're concerned about their kids we want yeah. people concerned about the kids we want people to stand up just like for book burning and you want to have good you want to have yeah. good faith like in, in no, the people so that you're talking to don't mistake you don't have to tell my, them they're right don't you mistake can, my argument to the fact that dealing with T- tucker carlson or some whacked out whack job on tv is different than than or i actually think he's going to run for office and this is what he's genning up to do but the but dealing with the I average think person potentially be very successful doing that yes of course but again you know if they prove that he was the guy that was letting out everything on trump it won't it'd destroy him so mm. but let's let's get let's get away no, from I that think as could. much as so when i talk about the systemic racism 
I don't use CRT, the name of it. Like, I don't talk about that. I don't, I don't talk when we, when we discuss white fragility or anything like that. I don't, we don't really, it's much more of a casual conversation about it, which is the same way I would do it in, in, in a group of novices that wouldn't understand that, right? Okay. But also, I can show that the curriculum doesn't have CRT in it. Okay, I think right. that's an and, important and, point. And, and maybe the 1619 stuff, is 1619, mm -hmm. that the name of that program is? Now, maybe that is up text, texturally. I've never really looked at that that particular, it's like a sub-curriculum. So I've never really looked at that like, I've never used it. It's newer than when I was teaching eight years ago. So I've never really done that. But if I use that curriculum, I would temper it with the context of the day. Hmm, okay. Like how many countries actually uh, agree with slavery? Hmm. You know, white supremacy was pretty much a thing because white people in Europe were pretty much fanning out across the world and taking over every society. And the average... British person or French person who had a colony, whatever, had to have some way to be able to justify their their subjugation of the world, right? right? And so well, it's, just like it's not unusual like the Roman church did or right, whatever, right, right, right. you know, like Rome did or Rome subjugated the world because the rest of them were savages. The Goths were savages. Do you know offhand? And, and we needed to bring civilization to the people. Do you know offhand? Right. And so that other rising is kind of standard in in the way large societies operate. And normally they're very strong and extremely powerful. Do but that doesn't you, mean that it was good. Do either of you right? know in other parts of the world, <coughs> other countries, got me all Europe, yeah, Asia, good. whatever, do they, do oh, they yeah, teach any sort coffee, of racial or, I mean, because, you know, obviously there's racism in other parts of the world and, and subjugation Ooh, too. So That's a good point. I'm, being, I'm curious, yeah. do, do they... Like in Europe, you know, in like predominantly white Europe, Anglo Europe, did they teach stuff like that, or Australia with know. the Aborigines, or yes? So I mean, CRT like, is I'm, taught like, I'm in most. Curious, but I think in it would most be sociology. It would be fluid, right? Sociology, but, but I yeah. mean, it would it would like here in this country, it applies to. So in Australia, it would apply to the Aborigines. the The European colonies, I mean, the Europeans use it like the way they do. France dealt with Tunisia, you know, uh, the Dutch colonies dealt with, or the Dutch countries dealt with their colonies. Right, I mean, okay. that's the way it's done. It's, yeah. it's colonialism. Right. Or like even and, the, and mercantilism the fits into that. And the, so their economic system was built on this otherizing of other. So it's, this is nothing new. I mean, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's always the, required that. Okay, there was a myth. Well, yeah, I call it a, a myth or like a, a noble patriotic fiction about America that persisted into the 20th century. Well, Manifest Destiny that, was certainly the huge myth that we were designed to take over the this part of the continent. Yeah, and then yeah. a shift, a a shift from an, and this is very general, very absolutist, but an America is all good, into like in a, a pendulum swing now to many people's notion being America is fundamentally bad. No, I, I don't. I, so it, let me state this 
I don't think America is fundamentally bad. I think the the ideas behind the original Enlightenment and some of those ideas, uh, the ideas behind liberty and the greatest amount of freedom for the greatest amount of people, all those ideas are wonderful. Like that's not. But to say that you know there aren't a few things that we could work on is you're not you being know. realistic. Yeah, I just I just feel like like no, we're not. I mean, fly your flag. As Patrick and, Bateman would say in American yeah, Psycho, I mean, you can always be better. Well, no, the the original ideas yeah. it, behind America, like if you talk about liberty and you justice, Sorry. liberty Could and be. justice <laughs> and peace and equality, all those ideas are extremely noble ideas and they're worth living for and they're worth having an America right. that can promote those ideas. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Like, there's I, no doubt about that. It's not all or nothing, and I think the people think that, that preach all people. or nothing, yeah. that they're, they're, they use that to control vast, vast swaths of the population. I think a lot of people on the left do have an all or nothing mentality about like, so the you're talking of America. about Well, and some of that is, then, the, but if the ideas aren't noble, then why are they still here? Like, find another country. Yeah, I, I was struck by, I expect... I mean, everything's oh, hard work. When no, that's that's everything funny. is hard work. People say if, like the, the, the conservatives so, say to the lefties, so you they go, say leave the country if you don't like the president. And then here and then here we are now saying, well, no, I'm just joking. But <laughs> in general, yeah. For the record, I'm just joking. I, I I think these these things are are working. It's working towards these things, and and just like we've got this fanaticism. Um, kind of on the right now of, of, and it's not all the right. I mean, we still need real conservatives, and we, but we need them to be concerned about conservatism and not a boogeyman, right? Mm. And we also, but we don't need crazy Agreed. woke on the other side that attacks everybody that doesn't use the right metaphor right. for the right time, and good Lord. Can never be woke enough. Yeah, but yeah. you can't, I think that I'm You very, literally can't be woke enough. I'm forgiving of people who perceive that they're being attacked if they are being actually attacked by people like i i think that the the threat that a lot of people on the right feel as far as like being attacked for you know their race or the way that they view the country or the way that they view history um, or yeah, feeling personally attacked. But I think that there are a lot but of people. Some of who that persecution that they, they say they feel is manufactured by right wing media. Like it is literally being manufactured. Okay, but and if you that their I, lives haven't changed since Biden's become president. They haven't lost any rights. No one's lost any daggone rights. Like yeah. At all. That's a good point. No, it's all man. Just like some of the woke stuff on the other side is manufactured, but not near as much. Like this, this outrage is is a manufactured outrage. It's natural for people to become to, to like take things to a state of being outraged, though. Anger for sale, man. We got it everywhere. Yeah, it's cheap. It's easy. I don't think the media deliberately needs well, to rile people up Well, it sells a lot of advertising themselves. and it gets a lot of clicks. Well, but here's the, at the end of the day, and I and I've I've been behind this for a long time. At the end of the day, man, it's on it's on the people. I mean, if, if one you, of the things if, that if you we allow can yourself say to be manipulated, or if you want to say a lot about CRT, one of the things I can say is I really believe that racism has been reduced in this country. I agree. 
a, yeah. a face-to-face racism almost does not exist. Like that I've seen. Now people might go home and say, be do racist things or be prejudiced, but face-to-face people are just as nice as they possibly can be. I, I swear to God, I've seen well, just really, really different from when I was a kid to now. Yeah, so that's why it's so difficult for people to accept the notion that there is but systemic that's not, racism. But that's not that what CRT says. I, CRT I didn't says say that's what it's like. I said that's why it's difficult for people to, associate, right. to accept the Let notion. Let me give you an example. Princeton sends out resumes almost every five years or so. They redo this experiment, and they send out the exact same resumes, one with Anglo-Saxon names and one with with ethnic minority type names like Africanized names or just foreign sounding names you are 90% more likely to get a call back with an Anglo-Saxon name it's like in the 90 I mean it's like way high there is absolutely no doubt (laughs) that 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 means that somehow there is something running along in the hiring systems that allow that to happen. Well, and if people are discriminating on things other than race that correlate with race, is that right? Does that result in like what you refer to as? Because again, that's like hard laziness. for people to accept as being quote unquote racist because it's not race based. It's based on things associated with race, right. and the output of it. So here's right. is discriminatory. Here's two things. One. Well, that's what CRT would said. Like racism yeah, is very. Again, it, it's like moving. It's like. It's gone from being like what real racism, what we consider real racism to be, to these really, really finely nuanced things that people don't even realize are happening. Okay, and try to convince somebody that they're, that the it's thing that they should be concerned about is finely nuanced, labyrinthine, difficult so, for them to see, but maybe invisible. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It's really easy because we have experiments just like the one I mentioned. Yeah. There's the replicated over think, and over again. I think people people get that shit. Yeah. People would yeah. understand that. That is, I feel like that's a lot well, more productive I than arguing this, with somebody about the definition of words. So in my, in my class, I talk about this that happened to me. So I know what CRT is. I know what all these... A lot of these constructs are. When I was working on my PhD, I lived like a street over from the university. So I was coming back from the library one night, probably coffee shop, but anyway, I pulled up in front of my house. And as I was getting ready to get out of my car, two black dudes were walking down the street with hoodies on, like their hoods up over their heads. So I waited to get out of my car till they passed when I opened up my door to get out of my car they were talking about physics now physics people normally are only dangerous on paper right (laughs) if they're building bombs or whatever they're not normally dangerous people but in the back of my head this construct is running that black guys with hoodies on are dangerous like and and it was oh, eye-opening experience for me mm. because I'm sitting there and I've been two white guys. They were frat boys too because they were talking about the pledges that they were rush, rushing for. I don't think I would have waited to get out of my car. Like I don't think I would. Hmm. So okay, even within me, there's these constructs running. It was huge. It made me a firm believer in like like I might not have even noticed those guys if. And there's something in critical race th- theory called the dangerous black man, like the dangerous black male. Like, and it's, it's been going on since, since the early days of, of, of 
slavery, and then it's moved forward this idea that black men are powerful, that they're dangerous, that they're going to rape white women. There's these all these constructs built around that, and you, as a woman, you're much more likely to be attacked by a white 22-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. um, like there, there's no doubt statistically. That well, that you're more is likely to be a victim of a crime at the hands of somebody you know, right. also, and normally. <laughs> Yeah. Normally, you know people, more people in <coughs> your own race. So. Um, but, but in general, like, so, but it was weird. I knew all this stuff. I literally had been reading stuff about this a week before. Yeah. And it affected me subconsciously. Yeah. I st actually started laughing when I was walking in my house. I was like, oh, my God, like, that was an aha moment. Yeah. That I actually noticed. Here's I think that's productive too. Yeah, put somebody through right. a thought exercise where yes. the only variable that you change is race. Here's, and so, yeah. here's the opposite. So me, white kid, went to a black college. And I was in the school. Everyone couldn't believe why I was there because I'm the white kid at the black school. But then when I graduated and I started looking for jobs, I couldn't get jobs. Was your hair bright red then? No. Or was it always your hair does look darker than it has. Oh, I don't know. Uh, so Keith is a, is a very lanky, <laughs> semi-auburn-haired guy. Uh, uh, someone called big me white teeth. Sinewy one time. Um, Sinewy? Sinewy. 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 Sinewy, yeah. So when I got out of school, though, and I was looking for jobs, I, no one would hire me. And I had the sneaky suspicion that it's because they'd see I'd gone to Fisk and they'd think, oh, it's a black guy. So here I went to school as the white kid at the black college, and then when I got out, theoretically, prospectively, I had no proof of this, that I couldn't get work because the jobs I was applying so to. So I don't know if we have statistics on that. That would be an interesting sociology experiment to do. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, from people like, you know, like Howard or Elizabeth City. No, I think Howard, you would... Howard's like a Harvard. So I, see, I think huh? even... Even a white. Well, what's Fisk it, is the Oxford of the South? Is that, is that what they used to say? <laughs> I, I love that. I love Fisk. I don't know not, that. Not quite. <laughs> so the. Uh, I don't know that, and that experiment probably has been. If we've thought about it, someone's thought about it. Then I'd be, I'd be curious, but um, but then, then the other thing was, and this has nothing to do with CRT, I don't think. But one of the comments I was going to make about West Virginia was. Uh, I took an alternate, an alternative route through the state. Normally, I stick to the turnpike as down right. the highways, but I got off at Bluefield and I went up. 52. Oh, that's really beautiful! It's a gorgeous drive. It's long. It added about another hour and some change onto the trip. So Bluefield's where the ski slope is. I think so. Uh, you know, when you're going up the, you know, you get into Virginia, you go and you go through the second tunnel, mm -hmm. going, and then as soon as you're through the second tunnel, you're in West Virginia. You get off at that very, as soon as you come through the tunnel, you get off at that exit. This was going? And this was going up. Okay. Yeah. And then you veer off that exit and at 52 takes you into Bluefield. And then you weave your way up. And what it does is it brings you <laughs> to leave the... leave and then I come back and you're giving like directions. Oh, yeah. Like I, well, but it's... <laughs> no, it's, but it's he's, he's weaving through West Virginia. <laughs> oh, okay. But, um... To catch you up. Um, you, yeah. you... Country roads? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. more yeah, urban? So, so what I was going to say was, um, one of the comments I wanted to make about Country West Virginia, roads, which may or may not be relevant to this conversation, was I took an alternate route when I went up this West time. West Virginia, mountain, mountain, The long... 
Take me home. So instead of sticking to the highways, I took a side road, the, the old road, 52, which was, used to be the only way you could come and go. And it weaves through, but it, it takes you along the Kentucky-West Virginia border along a river. And I'm not sure which river, I don't remember. But you weave in and out of Kentucky and West Virginia the whole way up. It's probably the Ohio. The whole way through. Every little town that we hit, every little encampment we'd hit, I'd see these flags, half the United States flag, and then half the stars and bars. Ooh. Which always cracks me up because, one, that's a violation of flag code. So here these people are thinking they're being some kind of Any patriot. alteration of the flag And they're, they're violating flag code, so mm-hmm. number one. Number two, I think they're confused about which country they're in. And number three, mm. that flag never, ever, ever, ever was accepted by the Confederacy yeah. as a as a wide ranging representative representative battle <coughs> battle flag. It was only strictly and solely the battle flag for one particular company in Virginia. And by the time anyone in the Confederacy got around to accepting that as the banner, the Confederacy had lost. And they they folded the flag up, and that was the end of it. So I would label your last point the same way that I've been labeling what Brad has been saying with as as an academic point that, while true, is not productive because it, it contrasts so much with what people actually accept as being true. Yeah, no, no. Like, people think of that flag as meaning... At least meaning the Confederacy. I think it's de- it's an interesting debate. What else? Number it four, signifies. and this is the real crux: West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. We're not. We're not even in the South. Yeah. And I've never understood this didn't thing about West Virginia split around the Civil War, and did they split out as a non, like as a non-Confederate state? I don't know, but I just think it's funny. Kentucky was a slave state. Because every yeah. time, I, was it okay? Well, every time I go north, I always see that flag, and I think. Because the Underground Railroad <laughs> went through the town that I'm in. Okay. So if y'all ever come to New Albany, we'll go down to the Clock Church. Okay. Which is where they used to hang the lanterns in, and there was a tunnel that led nice. out to out to the outskirts of town where they would take people up into Indiana. Okay. All right. Away from the slaves. But yeah. uh, you know, it's, I just slaves think, man, West Virginia's a freaking crossroads, man. It's a it's a yeah, it's a wild that's place. Wild. Yeah. yeah. It's really, um, really beautiful. And and like another fun fact, as Joey and I have discussed, which makes me even more interested in, in Appalachia and the mountains, is um, Appalachian mountain chain, the Scottish Highlands, and somewhere in Morocco, mm. when we had the Pangean continent, mm. they were all a part of the greater Pangean mountain range, which is the oldest So, in other words, the Appalachian Mountains would be some of the oldest mountain structures. That's why they're not super high on the planet. They've been worn down. Yeah. Um, The real quick, uh, West Virginia became a state after the Wheeling Conventions of 1861 at the start of the American Civil War. Delegates from northwestern Virginia's Unionist counties decided to break away from Virginia, which also included secessionist counties in the new state. West Virginia was admitted to the Union on June 20th, 1863, and was a key border state during the war. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was the only state to form by separating from a Confederate state, the second to separate from a state after Maine separated from Massachusetts, and one of two states, along with Nevada, admitted to the Union during the Civil War. Oh, wow. There's like 10 or 12 good trivia questions in yeah, there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
So then West Virginia was the union state so, that broke away yeah. from the Confederate let's, state of so Virginia. So uber ironic. Which so makes let's it get even back. You're reading, you're re- okay. Joey was just reading facts off Google. So off Wikipedia. Off Wikipedia. After I did a great Google search for <laughs> right. Wheat Virginia. <laughs> so, um, so like if if someone doesn't believe what the facts are, how do you convince them what the facts are? Hmm. Like so, I said. What's your goal in convincing them? They don't understand the definition because they don't. They have the wrong definition. I would I would ask what the goal is in convincing them of the facts. The goal is so they don't have to worry. Like literally, all this worry about critical race theory is non-functional. We don't teach it in K-12 schools. I think you Mm. have to find a commonality. Yeah. Um, Well, the way classically, the way that you're, and I'm sure you know this because you know ten times, ten thousand times more about. No, but I want to. I want to hear it. But if you 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 get an emotional dialogue going with somebody where they they care about your opinion and they view you as being a good person and then you you broach topics that even though they're controversial it's not going to essentially burn your uh your judgment or your thought process or what you accept as being true to them that's true you talk to them you have a back and forth dialogue and that open at least opens their mind to changing to right. what you're advocating for. So people do not learn from you unless you give them consent. Like they will think you're an idiot or they'll do like as a teacher they'll do the assignment by the rubric perfectly to get an A, but they won't ever change it doesn't change their thinking. Yeah, right? my it doesn't problem, mold their thinking. Yeah, my problem with what you're saying, I'm 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 perceiving a contrast because what I see in academia, what I perceive in academia and what I perceive in like in the media and um, is is people saying, okay, here are the facts and we have to like force them on people. And if they're wrong, then we have to tell them they're wrong. So the reason why we have to get them to accept it. And it seems very disrespectful and it seems extremely unproductive towards actually getting people to change their opinions about things. Well, the problem problem is though, we have to say that there actually are facts. Like this is actually the definition of CRT. Like this is a fact. This is the way it's couched. I think definitions are difficult. And I brought that, I said that earlier. I think definitions are naturally difficult because words mean what people accept. But guess that's what way academia works. I mean, literally, we assign a word. Sometimes we make up a new word for a phenomenon. And then we test it over and over again to see if the phenomenon exists. Maybe don't say. And then we write a theory about it. Maybe don't say, um, this is what this means. You're wrong. This is what this means. Maybe say, when I say this, this is what I I mean by it. On the podcast, when I'm in class or when I have a group of people that I'm talking to it about, like, this is my opinion of the way I feel about, like, I want to be able to say, like, look, why don't you believe me? I spend hours, like, and years looking at, or I'm not critical race theory for hmm. me, but social theories in general. Like, why don't you believe me? Like, like why would you believe someone who doesn't have any experience in the topic? Instead, Ooh. it's like my family. Like, uh, like I was talking about education, and they're like, well, why would you even know this? I'm like, because I'm a professor of education. Jesus Christ. Okay, but like, maybe, like, maybe d- don't not- you believe me? Right? People don't I, want I literally have worked on this shit for 20 years. Yeah, right? but you have to earn people's confidence in your opinion. But they do believe me. If, I ask, if they ask me about the stock market or something like that, they do believe that. They just believe what they want to believe and I, they exit I, the rest of it. I, I have to go with Joey on this. Huh. I, think, I think nowadays, for whatever reason, I think people <coughs> are 
incredibly skeptical of academia and academics. I think they find it threatening and posing. Because Some of that's manufactured as, I, I, as well. I don't disagree. So superstition can be used in place of that. Right. But it's, I, it's it's but it's I, it's the way power is created. Because I know I know sometimes by like, belief I will by belief I will jokingly get right. more academic than I probably yeah, am or ever could be. Uh, and I have found that both of you are academics. It, well, like, well, but I'm just saying, I mean, like sometimes I'll turn it on yeah. on purpose, like really go hard on something, and I and I I find that even in my best jest, people find it off-putting to be so, uh, uh, you know like exacting in academic and academic well the reason why we do that is so we can replicate phenomenon right Right? Mm. and so we we specifically assign well read yeah or just that's what both of you are intellectual that's what i wanted to say but i didn't want to say the wrong thing and sound stupid whilst i was trying to be academic people (laughs) don't like people don't like people like um street smart more than they like book smart yes yeah. Street smart connects with people. Well, wait, wait, wait. So it it does in reality, but book smart is a is a is a non like it's a non because people don't like it because it sounds impractical. Because guess what? The people that are studying CR, studying CRC and they're doing all these experiments like what I talked about Princeton doing, like those people, that is their street smart. Right. Because they've experienced it over and over. They've looked at the results that come in from all these surveys. Uh, like they've literally seen the phenomenon in effect. Yeah, experiential. Right? I think there is a big, yeah. So book, this, you re- this Do you difference. read it or do you right. experience it? Right. I think that's a big Whereas I, street smart thing. Which is I am book smart in CRT. I'm not street smart because I'm not a sociologist that studies that particular phenomenon. Okay. Right. So, but in order for us to have a basis of knowledge, we have to agree on the construction of it, like what it, and that's what academia is designed to do, build the construct of knowledge. Yeah, but then you're enforcing that construct, you're enforcing that construct on people instead of building it with them. Well, well, there's no way we can build it with them because they're doing other things, right? They're working, mm. they're, they're building their lives, right? If and you build so, it, they will come, dude. Mm. I mean, that, that's the statement that everybody should go to college. Like everybody should have a three, at least a free two years of college. So the actually, the construct of, of the universal college becomes part of the everyday experience and people can afford to do it. And therefore, academia doesn't just reside in the elite. You know, and so that's, that's kind mm. of the idea of that. Here's, okay, here's but people <coughs> can, I think people can arrive at knowledge without academia though. But we, we have, have access it's a to lot all the easier. resources. It's a lot easier if you... Well, and part of that is academia creating these barriers to kind of hold the knowledge yeah. and then charging people they for the knowledge. They have a financial interest. Right. They have an interest in well, prestige it's not, when you could it, democratize learning. It's not just academia. It's, but it's not just academia. It's capitalism in general being filtered through academia right i also don't trust academia because i associate academia with being marxist which is very generalizing and i feel like like restrictive of knowledge and open so marx is so marx is used in social theory because it's a construct that shows kind of shows where it's one of the few constructs that we have that actually is able to point out what oppression looks like in vast, big, 
human interaction patterns, right? Okay. It doesn't. It didn't actually work as a political theory. So far as like there was never a rise of the proletariat. The, and the shit in in like Soviet. If you look at like the way that learning and like even like higher education was but structured is, in the Soviet Union, it was every single subject filtered through a Marxist lens. And yeah, it, that's it that's really harms true. all the material. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I think Marx that's what people just, are concerned about. So Marx is just one of the. But again, the Marxist boogeyman is kind of a. So Marx is just one of the lenses that is used in academia. I mean, you, we have okay, you know, fifty but lenses. The fact that it's an effective. I mean, we use the Enlightenment as a, the, the whole setup of academia is the Enlightenment is an Enlightenment setup. It is a very forward, liberalized, capitalistic, Enlightenment setup. Like yeah. the whole framework of academia is is an Enlightenment framework. It's not a Marxist framework. Do you think that? I mean, Marx is just one of the lenses that is used to understand the world. I like, there's tons of them. I don't know. If yeah, we can actually. I mean, there are people question. who are concerned about the like learning in America, specifically uh, the education of young people being specifically everything being specifically filtered through a Christian lens. Because right. I think that's something that a lot of Americans, specifically on the right, do. But again, religion might it, be one of the lens we might want to look at something through. I mean, we can pick a lens, you know, that we want yeah. to investigate investigate a certain phenomenon through. That's, that's a dangerous lens, in my I, opinion. But I interrupted said, you. Um, I don't know that we can answer this question, but I wonder what I would think, I would think um, academics of any other race than white probably are well for it, but I'm just curious in general what, like, on whole the black population thinks or feels about CRT. Yeah, that's a great question. Like, like, are they all as a as or a like greater academic population, about yeah, racism? Yeah, like, and, are they all sitting yeah. around? And, and I, I know I'm using like really wide terms here, and I'm sure. But what do you mean they? Uh, what do you mean you people? But, yeah, you think that right, that right. entire po- group, but segment of the population would feel well, the same way, right? Yeah. So what I'm what I'm I guess do the they believe in mind, systemic racism? Is yeah, what well, you're saying. Well, yeah, well, I'm sure they do. But what I'm what I'm wondering in the back well, of my mind is like, <laughs> right, wait, right, exactly. What I'm wondering in the back of my mind is, is, is the African culture on whole sitting around thinking, yes, this is something that has to be discussed and taught. Or a- African or, culture in Africa? Well, African, I guess the diaspora, the African-American culture. Hey, how are you? Or, or are they all sitting around collectively thinking like, hey, like, we just want people to recognize some dirty stuff happened. This is not cool. We just want a seat at the table. We don't really want to talk about it. I mean, they, I know they do, but yeah, I think I'm speaking in super general terms. We just want to see to the table. We don't care if white people want to rip themselves I, apart. We're I just, think the we're opinion, just trying. We're just trying to get ours too. The, right. the opinions of specific. We haven't really. Go ahead. And since we don't have no, anyone here black the, to talk to. The opinions of specific black intellectuals and political figures, and the opinion of black people in America in general towards like you know, CRT or what's perceived to be CRT or race theory or like the, the teaching around race is referenced a lot by uh, people who oppose it because it's assumed that if, hey, if black people don't like this or don't think that it, it's correct or it's worth like teaching, then that is very strong evidence that it is not worth anything. So because I don't in think that, that same, it, but that I'm, I'm saying it gets uh, the it there. It's a significant opinion 
especially to the people who oppose it, because it's seen as greater evidence than white people's opinion. Well, if which it ma- is if it itself matter, discriminating yeah. as to the quality matter, or then, the meaning of the opinion. everybody in the community would right. be behind it. Right. right. Well, that's like a, a, a man doing um, feminist theory. Exactly. Or someone that's not gay doing queer theory. And, yeah, and it's portrayed the way that people who are opposed to, uh, like, racial theorizing or teaching about, like, race in, you know, whatever way, however, however you want to label it, um, it's perceived as being a... Um, an erudite, white, liberal, overly educated, right. wealthy phenomenon, rather than something that actually has a practical purpose. Right. And I think that it benefit, like portraying it in that it's, it's deliberate that it's portrayed in that way because it delegitimizes it. Right. Because it takes it away from actually the the very experience that it's trying to. Right. Uh, like we unpack. An, we got to do an episode in the future about fashion. This women got to step their game up. Well, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. You're going to get because <laughs> uh, you're nearly plain black tea is. Yeah. And you're you're not even matching. I'm sure it doesn't I've, have sleeves. I've been dressing like this since 1987. I know. And you haven't changed since 1987. Contrary to what conservatives think, just because something's old doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> Sorry to derail the conversation with probably sexist. So um, no, I would. It's not. I don't think it's necessarily legi- the legitimacy you're talking about is a real deal. And the and the I think problem with it is, but it definitely deserves a oh. <laughs> the problem with the the legitimacy that you're talking about is that it's kind of real. Like like if you have somebody rambling on about something, some phenomenon that they've actually never experienced because they can't because they don't wear the same color skin. Yeah. Or because they don't, they're not interested in the same people. Um, and in the case of universities, they potentially have a financial motive to do so. Well, and when you look at to the financial, monetize white guilt, I believe is a, a that's a paraphrasing of various criticisms I've heard of it. No, I mean I I don't I don't perceive it like that because individual professors, they don't think about. I mean they're they've got tenure. They don't think about money. <laughs> or really, I mean, they don't think about bringing more customers to mm. their as students to their. We don't think about students as customers in general. We don't think about it like that. Yeah. It's more like a learning community. They're trying to find a specific. It's much more pure than that. From what I when I've universities are accused of brainwashing students, the motivation for their brainwashing them, I think, is left kind of vague. Like whether it's an attempt at like a power grab or an attempt to like assert a moral philosophy or an attempt to make money. I think that it's not really no, like, I mean, the average. Well, and if anybody, I mean, look at the professors that you've known, like do, or do any of them seem like money grubbing, like they're thinking about stuff like that. Like I, I, I think I the fact that it has little financial like impact on them. Yeah. yeah I haven't probably run, run into anybody like that. And the administrative yeah. offices, I think, that are the, oh, well. well, they do talk about students as markets like and and th- that neoliberal conversation is kind of it edged itself into like the very much the business kind of idea of the university the prof- as a business. Yeah, but the professors right. themselves the are professors more idealistic. Ins- well, they just don't have time to be dealing with that. They're not well, thinking about that. No, like your brain power is like you only have so much brain power no matter how smart you are. Not that I want to defend anyone profiting off people with motive, but uh, you know that's kind of those people's job is to think about students as 
items in a well, market. I think yeah, if you know, the state which is really, really sad, but that's what it is. I think if we had more more state support, like in a state school, like where they were paying a lot more of the tuition, a lot more of the cost of, of, of fill, uh, you know, getting a university up and running and keeping it running and and really wanting to educate the the people that can't afford to get a college education, then these conversations about profit and who's would be a non sequitur because literally the state would be paying most of the bill mm. and everybody's mm. tax dollars would be it would be spread out right. across. There's no doubt that universities are economic engines. I mean, every town that has a university in it benefits massively by having all those students in one spot spending yeah. all their money and buying pizzas and 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 going to doctor's visits and whatever. You if know, somebody, renting houses. If somebody doesn't like what somebody else is doing, their first instinct is either going to be is going to be to assume that they're malicious or to assume that there's a financial motivation for them to right. do what they don't like. Right. And that's more of a it, and it's an explanation. I mean that's not a bad I mean normally you follow the money. I mean, that's kind of the case, but yeah, so, but I think, I think this, this, yeah, does anybody benefit financially from the teaching of critical race theory? Do people think that there are people who benefit financially from the teaching of critical race theory? I think that's a good question to I don't have think, a good faith conversation. I don't think really people benefit. I mean, there's, there's not a great deal of critical race theorists, even in a sociology department, so like I guess, I guess there's the normally you can only afford to have one or two of these professors spending their lives. What looking about at activists? These Do they benefit financially? I've seen a lot of things well, critical of people in the BLM movement making essentially making money. Yeah. Well, um, you would have to make money in the movement for it to be successful because you would have to have something that's driving paying people to yeah. create the materials and. But making a disproportionately high amount, like getting wealthy from it. I mean, I think part of the reason, the no way one. the way they're able to sell this, this CRT thing where it's destabilizing the population and making Americans not want to be Americans is because they kind of blame the, they, they make a line to the BLM movement from CRT, right? And yeah, that line and is, to like Marxism too. Mar right, either but, like but, but those lines are not there. People who they hate literally, America. Are not there. A lot of the people supporting the BLM movement have never even heard of CRT, and on top of that, they don't even know Marxist theories. On top of that, and the reason why those movements sprung to life were because of these horrible videos, right? And not because somebody was preaching CLT on the corner, right? Yeah, Literally, they sprang from these videos. They didn't. This underlying thing of CRT just isn't like it isn't mainstream. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something that's really and it's maybe mainstream that's now because more people are talking about it. Even if the people, and even that, if and that could backfire, it's become mainstream. That in a could way. backfire on the the side that's really promoting it because they could see that it really is like yeah. like they could see all these different kind of things. You well, know that aren't, that really aren't there. Like read the curriculum. Okay, so everybody benefits from everybody being honest about everything. Yeah. And if you're dishonest, you're going to be harmed by it eventually because people are going to realize. Or what your you're society is going to be harmed by it. You know. 
Certain the, power the, structures require lies and people to believe lies to and then, create and then power. The and question then, becomes how honest and then, are you going to be? Do you want to be? Can you be? Who's you? Anybody at uh, any given time. That being said, before we finish up, so I wanted to talk about this. So, uh, like I said, we took this alternate route through West Virginia. Oh, that's right. I keep interrupting. I really like West Virginia. I think it's a very pretty state. It is really, really pretty. I know it is impoverished in spots. and uh, Part of that's because Appalachia doesn't really have a, a base of, you know, like a market base. Right. And West Virginia is an and odd state. It's, it's isolated communities. Yeah, so. it's weird. So you've got, you know, places over by D.C., Virginia, and Pennsylvania like Morgantown where WVU is and you've got that sector then you've got a place like Charleston which is like right smack dab in the middle right in the, the valley of the mountains pretty isolated then you have like Beckley and Bluefield down south you don't really have anything to the west I guess except for Huntington Be- Beckley's li- literally halfway to my house is it really? Mm-hmm. okay yeah so then you have like Huntington out there which is I go right by there. Some change away from Ashland, Kentucky, but it's very pretty. And so we took this alternate route on 52. And the way my the way my my ma explained it to me was way back in the day before the highway, the only way you could get from where she lives in Ohio to here, because my grandfather uh, my, my my grandfather was a, a gunnery sergeant in the Corps, so they were in, in Lejeune, and the only way you could get mm. from there to there was on mm. 52. Yeah, and it wound and through these little towns. Yeah. And so Sam and I did this all through West Virginia and part of Kentucky. Man. They're cute little towns. Oh, my gosh. There's nothing there, and it's poor as hell. But some of these old brick stone buildings that are weaved yeah. in and out through the, the, the hills and the mountains. So, like, what, what kind of, if you're going to talk about economic bases, what kind of economic base should West Virginia develop? Oh, like God. As, you know, if coal goes away, and then, know. you know, is it windmills on the top of those mountains? Is it these Sounds spiral? like tourism. Y'all well, keep talking about how freaking beautiful it well, is. So well, so they have the, they have with, the Hatfield-McCoy trails that span all through the hey state. Dude. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of Hatfield-McCoy trails that go all through the state. And uh, in all these little towns, they have ATV hotels. So the people can ATV through all the trails. Okay. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. that's pretty neat. But... um. The thing that, that the thing I think that which is so simplistic, it, but in, for some reason it was having a, a, a very big effect on me as we were driving through was, you know, I, I lived in Nashville for seven years. I lived in L.A. for three. I was in Jupiter, West Palm Beach for five or six, and then I, I grew up here for you know, fifteen years, and I've lived here for the last six or so since. Um, and you're driving down 52, and that's the only street through half of these places. And it's it's you know it's it's whatever they could cut through the mountain. So the the city sometimes centers, it went over the mountain. Yeah. So the city centers are right off the main drag, like the houses and all the city centers. And so like when we got off 52 and we were going into Bluefield, you ride up 52 for a little bit, and of course on one side is a straight drop into the valley, and then on one side is like just enough flat land for buildings just enough and then the mountain goes up yeah so as you're driving like right off 52 you know like i mean you could stick your arm out and probably tap the cars as they go by there's like two car garage houses or like garage buildings for auto repairs Hmm. and so you'd weave in and out of these like hairpin turns and then there's all these buildings built up right against the side i like the notion of if you're 
if you need to drive through a place, you feel like you're actually going somewhere or yeah, you well, are you're, somewhere. You're going rather through than the just place. the you know great like nothing. Right. I, 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 I drove through represents. Raleigh. Oh, where'd you go? Did you go through downtown? No, no, no. I just rode through on I forty. Yeah. Hey, I, I just rode through uh, Music, West Virginia. Oh, where'd you go? The only place you can go, which is 52, which goes right through the middle of the town. And I saw everything that used to be there that was hot in the 30s and 40s or 20s when coal was kicking and trains were big. So we need some yeah, trains. I don't know if Music, West Virginia we need was people. ever hot based well, on your yeah, description. Yeah, right, 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 of course. But, yeah. Well, but, but I think about remote workers and how people are trying to get out no in the countryside now and the Virginia. beauty. So West and Virginia really need the beauty. I was going to say it doesn't need hiking. an intrinsic economy. It just needs to look. It needs good. fiber. And so, and so West Virginia, okay. they have a program called Ascend West Virginia yeah, where you true. can apply. And if you get accepted, You're thinking about they need electricians in all these well, old I, towns. I, I already sent them an email, and I got a funny email back. But um, you call them, you you apply, and if you get accepted, you move there. You have to live there for two years. They give you twelve grand, but it's only one of three cities: Morganton, Morgantown. Why is it Morgantown? Because it seems like they have enough business. Are they a college? Are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where there's a medical is. school there too. And then there's two others I can't remember. And then they have three separate programs for Marion County, Charleston, Beckley, and is it Shepherdsville, which I think is somewhere down in the southeast. West Virginian electrician has a good but, ring to it. But nothing, nothing, nothing where I was talking about, like in that, in that stretch of 52. But it's so pretty. So anyway, so and so cheap. It's very cheap. So, so that means you could set up your electrical shop. Well, but here's but the thing. how much business you'd have to drive. Well, you could, <coughs> you, how much business is one? Now I, I won't get into specifics on hmm. this podcast because you know it's a conflict of interest. But um, what you couldn't charge per hour in West Virginia, what you charge per hour in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. But also your house payment is going to be $300 a no, month. No, I, I get that. I get that. But, and this is a topic for another, maybe another, another, you another day, another gentrify time. all the mountain folk out of there. But like, I know for me right you now, you wouldn't have to gentrify them. You could just, I'm facing, I'm what's facing, the implication of the word gentrify? Is it just an economic thing or does it imply social? It's yeah. both. I would think it's it a implies more economic white folks, boat, rich boat. white folks yeah. coming in to okay. take over the property. Is there a, yeah, but normally it happens in you, cities, you, you would have to have towns. In, in the place that we went, I just meant raising 52, property values by moving there. Right, you, you would have to have gentrified. You would have to have so much of an influx of people moving into that area, whether mm. it was temporary or permanent. To re, I mean, these areas are. It's a change poor, of character. Poor, but the buildings are so cool. There was one. There was one. I can't remember where we were exactly, but there was one very specific old radio station building, all painted white, had the black lettering on it. W E L C. I think I'll have to look Great. it up. So huge building built right into the side of the mountain, and it was like some like old. And I thought, dude, that's. I could see myself in many years from now living a somewhat hermetic lifestyle in a building like that, pursuing gardening, radio broadcast or doing some electrical work on electric like I, i'm really starting if to understand you lived the idea in one of those of, little towns that was close to like morganton or oh, one that of would those be great. so oh. you could go in there to work right. and, and live you know and then live out in the countryside but i like the idea that in those little towns you could have a place right there and be right in the city center and still be away from everything and i think 
I think as I'm getting older and I'm realizing and traveling and the more we do, I think you, podcast, you, you're liking people less and less and you want to be out <laughs> in the wilderness with animals. Perhaps. Kind of like St. Francis. Perhaps. Don't do that. Without a don't, dress. Don't do that. To, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you would wear your dashiki. I would, I would wear my dashiki. Would, <laughs> but my, my. broke everything. Man, at this point, like I'm looking at having to go, if I'm going to buy, right. unless the market crashes, I'm looking at having to do north northeastern north carolina east of 95 which is like so are you licensed to do electric in I west get, virginia i get reciprocity so, so I, have to, I have to check with the state board how they would do that but i think theoretically it means that my license is accepted in full right yeah i get that with 13 11 or 13 states the, the neighbor states mm-hmm. all through, it's all through the southeast yep up to i think the furthest state north is ohio yeah because you get into those which is so bizarre. City buildings like high rises and stuff. Because everybody follows the same electric code, but you probably like, just have to take the test again. Yeah. Their test, yeah, which I would board. prefer not to do. Right. This test was hard enough. Yeah. But it was just so. Anyway, I know this is like killing the conversation and taking away from all the intellectual value we've gained in the last hour and fifteen minutes. But it's just so pretty. It was so pretty, and of course, I'm sure in the winter it's dismal and gray and wet and shitty. But it was so beautiful. But you would be. In your little oh, I I, I mean I house. have yeah I have, as long as I have a library and music I'm good, um, but it was so neat and the drive was so pretty. But it added about an hour and some change of the trip, um, and then we got to a point on 52 where it was freaking Sam out because there was a sign and it said you know uneven pavement or bumpy road up ahead, and, and you got them little tiny tires and and we're on this very super narrow two lane road, and we get stopped at a at a temporary stoplight. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And it's we're one waiting, of those that's automated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And Because it was only just the two lanes. Right. And again, on our side, going north, is the mountain. So you couldn't see it. And then you on couldn't the, see around where that was temporarily no. stopping. And then on the south side, Ooh. it's a it's a straight drop down to the river. Right. So we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. About 20 minutes pass, the light turns green, and we all start going again. So as we're moving up 52, when I look over, the left-hand side of the road the, is gone. It's totally gone. Yeah. And we're and like we're riding like my tires are barely nipping where the rock is falling off into the river. Hmm. And Sam was freaking out. And there's there's 18-wheelers going through there. Yeah. And like, like it's the, nothing. The road is gone. Yeah. Oh, it was so crazy. But it was so I'm telling you, man, I want so badly that could be you're going to say this is silly, but that could be the pot the live podcast road trip. We could get to Bluefield, get off the highway, and go from like Bluefield to a point on 52 and see all these old little buildings. And re- so we need to kind also away, discuss. We need to also. Well, we were going to take it's some podcast away, trips occasionally. Us. You know, we were going to take some podcast trips occasionally. We talked about that. Maybe you were. Yeah, here. yeah. I wasn't picturing going to West Virginia, though. Dude, we got to go take a kumbaya trip. Um, shit. What's oh, Kumbaya one thing mean? I do want I know, togetherness. Oh, I know. Tune in, turn on, okay. and drop out, man. West I, Virginia. I know so. what <laughs> So I got to say I was at 34 North, not the one in Beaufort, but the one in Cedar Point. What day? And this was last weekend. And oh, okay. I saw was it Friday a, or Saturday? I can't remember. Oh. I saw a country band there. Oh, must have been Saturday. They were really good. Like, I don't really necessarily like country music, but it was basically old rock and roll. Mm. Like yeah. the beats were definitely rock and roll beats, you know, they weren't like rockabilly. No, it was even more like straight rock and roll, but oh. with a country twang to the singer, 
right? And it was songs I didn't recognize. Who was it? But yeah. I love the beat. I don't I don't remember who they were, but I was like, country wow. Country music is very poorly defined. I might really like this particular style of country music because in mm. general, I don't like a steel guitar. Right. And so they didn't mm. have any steel guitars because a lot of people, I guess, can't play them. But, um, and so like some country... Yeah, some I would wager the majority these, of people these can't cover, play These <laughs> cover country bands, right, don't have a steel guitar player. So the twang you don't hear. Right, and so I really like so this music, and I almost oh, they just said they were country. Well, they had cowboy hats on, and yeah. you know, and shit like that. And so, um, but they were really, and they they sang some like they sang Stairway to Heaven, they sang some rock and roll songs. But I like how. But I you almost are about I almost did the thing where I asked Siri what the name of the song was, but I was it was okay. going to be so obvious that oh, I was Lord. doing it, so I didn't do it. Well, I shouldn't but, say this. So but I, I really want to know who these particular artists. There was a set of like five songs, and I. Were there multiple bands? Huh. No, it was just one band. One band. Okay, well, well maybe we'll find that. I, 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 I'm <coughs> curious I, sh- now. I shouldn't do this on the podcast, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm going to say this now that it's 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 me. I can't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday night. It's me, Keith, oh, yeah. talking here, yeah, and this message is for Paul. Hey, Paul, Keith. I've asked you several times for a gig. I know oh, you got another dude. Friday DJ, but you really ought Don't. to give me a call. <laughs> you guys Don't are so harass, worried. Paul. I'm not worried. I don't worry about anything. I just Everybody else harasses him. Why should not? Yeah. Yes. I guess. You want me to call him for you? I, I put in he's, half he's the lights in the building. He's a friend of mine when he was a kid. Come on, man. Let me come play some funk. Okay, some, somebody can, out there okay. give me a job. Let me come play some, some funk music. Speaking of critical race theory, someone in Emerald Isle, let me come play music made by black people. You think it's inappropriate to have a band called Critical Bass Theory? Ooh, that or would is be, that good? That's a great name. Thank you. I think that's fantastic. I think some people the might be The Critical Bass Society. Yeah. Is there a critical race society? We can start it now. Probably. Okay. But no, I mean that seriously. Someone in Emerald Isle, give me a gig. <laughs> let me come play. There's jazz societies. Let, let me all play over funk and jazz. That's for normally you. like the jazz group in a city. We, like, might we got, have a Louisville jazz. They society. hire enough pasty white people with tattoos around here to go play rap music to everyone. I don't see why they can't hire a pasty white kid to play soul. Mm. What difference does it make? I really haven't been going out a lot. Lately. I'm just playing better music than they are. But anyway, no, I don't. I haven't seen any pasty white people rapping. Uh, rapping I, or I, playing rap music? I will. I will. I will cease calling out people, but I can name at least three venues right now that have yeah. that have redheaded white DJs playing rap music. Wow! And no one will hire me to play funk, jazz, or soul. And I am left. I am left. Well, which is kind of crazy because we have a retired generation that. Probably likes jazz music, right. at least. I, and I don't understand it. At some level. No, people don't like jazz music because it sounds weird. Probably because it's, it's too academic many notes. and they're skeptical. Yeah. I think I found your boys. This was not that this past like Friday, that. but the Friday before. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, I'm open. I don't know how many, how often they have acts that have cowboy hats. I'm open. Yes, this is, this is that. I'm open yes. on Fridays and Saturdays to anyone out there listening. They were really good. Sweet. I enjoy Chandler's DJ. Miles. They were good. Well, then I, I guess with that being said, I guess we'll get into our recommendations and call it so you can get lunch and I can go home and go back to bed. So my recommendation <laughs> is a book from 2017 called Originals by Adam Grant. It's actually pretty good. It's kind of an entrepreneur book if you are an entrepreneur. The subtitle is How Nonconformists Move, move the, the World. world. So Adam Grant, um, he's a pretty prolific writer. So he has, actually has a new book as well that I bought, yeah. but I haven't read it yet, but you'll yeah. hear about it. Do you think we That's pushed everybody out of here? This is like the least busy it's been the later. Me yelling at Joey? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm surprised they didn't go into a coughing fit right then. 
I was half expecting because we are talking about a very visible Touchy topic, topic that people feel that, yeah. passionate about. I thought somebody might potentially jump in. Were no one jumped in. Mm. Okay, so I just tried to, right. I tried them to look Highway Miles up on Facebook, and the first one that came out is actually a band that's in Morgantown, West Virginia, but I'm assuming that's not them because that no. seems like a, a that's hike. A, that's, for a, a, that's a bit of a job. No, right? this yeah. guy, these guys, <laughs> Paul, Paul can get some good entertainment. A couple of these guys, way, were, but I'm pretty sure a, a couple much, of these yeah. guys were Marines. Mm. Like, so that's kind of how they're, so they're probably from Jacksonville. I have a recommendation also. Go for it. So the audiobook I've been listening to, and it's kind of revelatory from like a physiological perspective for me oh right Lord. now. And I'm sure everybody's is on this it. This is Everybody why you're trying it. to get your sleep. And I think you've already read it. Well, I'm glad. Breath. The yes, New Science of a Lost Art. Yeah. James it's Nestor. Just, it's yeah. the idea of a generalist, which is I'm very much. I was really drawn to that book because I'm a total it's generalist. Really great. So are you? What's it about? Actually, it's about breath. It's breathing about the breath. It's breath, not breath. B R no breath. No, I'm telling you breath. No, you're thinking of breath. Yes. Yeah. So I haven't I'm read talking, that book. Yeah. Okay. Oh, maybe I have read it, but I don't. Who's the? I author? thought because this reference. Okay. Just, just, just for the people who do Jam- listen, we're, James we're, we're differentiating between breath, B R E A T H E, and breath, B R E. It's weird doing audiobooks if you don't see the cover. I won't. No, you've specifically said a couple things that he's talked about in the book. Oh, so maybe I've talked about. We're talking. God damn it! How do you spell breath? Breath. B R E. Breath has a D in it. Yeah. Bread with the TH. There we go. All right. Yeah. Golly, man. Some English major I am. It's very yellow. The cover is yellow. But he mentioned, okay, when we, it it came up when we were talking about how people have evolved to have sinuses of reduced size and changes in like facial structure. And that he talks about that. So that made me think that maybe you had, you had read it. So this is why you want more sleep. Um, no, that was actually an independent thing, but I uh, feel like it, it does kind of dovetail with it a little it bit. It starts you thinking about your overall health. An and interest in pop physiology and like self-improvement so that does is he, becoming very bowed. Does he use alternate nasal breathing and does he, he talk about that? Okay, the entire first chapter outside of the introduction is oriented around the notion that intaking air through your mouth is atrocious for your health and that you should only intake air through your nose in all of the repeated cultural like notions and affirmations that mouth breathing is very, very bad and how it's actually, it, it reaches level almost of like Im, an immoral action in some cultures or like a, like it's so, per, it's considered so personally destructive. And he goes on a lot of evidence about that. Talks about evolutionary, recent evolution, how changes in diet have resulted in uh, changes in the shape of our mouths and changes in, in as a result, uh, bad teeth, bad sinuses, things like that. And then also he sprinkles in a lot of stuff about different breathing techniques and the, the physiological impact of it. Um, slow breathing, long breathing, um, a big emphasis on the impact of carb- not just oxygen, but also carbon dioxide and how breathing affects carbon dioxide and the intense physiological impact of carbon, carbon dioxide. dioxide. If you're smoking, like I do. Well, carbon monoxide, yeah, wait, carbon monoxide like replaces it. Uh, oxygen, right? Yeah, it mm-hmm. takes up, 
takes up the area that would otherwise be occupied by oxygen and red blood cells and you, it kills you, right? Yeah, uh, I have a friend right now who, I don't know specifically what his deal is, but I know that he gets blood tests from the hospital that tests the amount of carbon monoxide in his blood because he used to be a frequent smoker. He had a medical issue happen and whatever medication he's on, uh, carbon monoxide works directly against it. So he has to keep the carbon monoxide low enough in his body for the medication to work. I wonder if how I your un- body I, even comes to correctly. have carbon monoxide without inhaling it. I mean, I'm sure you're getting no, trace you amounts. No, you are inhaling it. Uh, yeah, okay. you're, getting, you're getting trace amounts every day. Well, like if you're in a closed room, it bills and bills and bills, so it probably has to have his windows cracked. and Or at least the air moving. Yeah. But it's like if you live uh, near a highway system in a city versus if you live mm-hmm. out in the country. You know, just naturally the air is going to have... Well, he has to put a lot of house plants in his house. Fun fact, and this is one that I actually learned in high school biology, the... Carbon monox- or the carbon dioxide that people exhale actually comes from the food you ingest. Interesting. Yeah, it's a waste product of that. It has nothing to do with the air that you're intaking. Oh, wow. So when you actually lose weight, the majority of the weight that you lose, you actually exhale as carbon dioxide, assuming that it isn't water weight. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the only way, unless you shit it out, I guess. Right? Which you don't. Well, in case... Well, if you don't <laughs> absorb... If you're doing, then you would just yeah. be absorbing fewer calories, but it actually gets into your system. Right, right. That's a trip. Yeah. So the difference in the books that we were just talking about, the one I was referencing is breadth, which is... With a D. With a D, which is the 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 spread of knowledge, like oh. where you're more of a generalist. So where you know a bunch of different, different knowledge bases and you kind of look at the world through all those different lenses versus looking at the world through one or two major lenses. And so um, that's also a pretty good book. Uh, And I can't remember who that is by. That might even be by Malcolm Gladwell. Um, Why don't you go ahead and give... Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm still reading the the free jazz book. I haven't moved on. I, I've, I've not been reading very fast lately. Um, so I think... Savory. Oh, no, no. That book's called Range. Yeah, I'm which sorry. I have read. Right, yeah. right. So that book is called yeah. Range. Which has a da- green cover. Uh, David So Epstein. when I talk about it, I say breadth. Right. Mm. And so that's where I got yeah, that. Yeah, I think breadth almost makes more sense, kind of. I can see that. I'm not patronizing. I'm serious. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. The... Uh, uh, that was that was a pretty good book, but why generalists succeed in a specialized world? Right, that's exactly the cover you imprinted the cover. Wow. Yeah, I can't think of anything offhand off or something. I haven't I haven't read anything. <coughs> so I guess I guess in that in that. Vein, How about recommend a jazz album? Well, I could Oof. do I could do that. Yeah. Something not too obscure that it would be. You know, like people could intro <laughs> intro to jazz 101. Oh, something easy? Yeah. Not something funky and too complex that turns them off. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Mean, it, something j- if somebody was listening to it, you would j- think less j- of them. J- so <laughs> give a hard one and a soft one. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do them both all in the same one because I think, I think if you're patient with it, you can get both out of it. I, I would say, um, which is an obvious pick, but I would say Bitches Brewed by Miles Davis. Okay. Neato. You know, it's the, yeah, elect- it's, it's the full electric where, you know, he finally figured it all out. So it's a little weird. It's got some abrasive parts, but it's got a lot of cool melody and fun stuff. 
If you didn't want to do that, I'd say in a silent way, because I think that's one of the ones right before it. And that's Milestone. Where he has the same, yeah. yep. the same record. But I think it's a little more composed, maybe more melodic. Um, but, you know, uh, I will say at this point, any, anything I think that anyone could get a hold of by Albert Eiler, he's tough. He's really tough. But I'm starting to realize. Is that, he European or is he? No, he's American. He's from Cleveland. Um, but I'm starting to realize listening to his music that there's something highly, 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 deeply, deeply, deeply esoteric. And I think revelatory to Eiler and that I, th I think that man I think that man was terribly 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 troubled how do you spell his last name A-Y-L-E-R oh but, I'm glad you spelled it because I was doing it with an E but every any, whatever it was that he was figuring out or that mm -hmm. he was reaching for that he got to he I think he, he was on the verge of getting he died when he was 34 it was on the verge he, he and I share a birthday yeah he was on the verge of cracking the code, I think. So I, I noticed every time I listen to his music now. That's a I, weird way to think about art. Yeah, like I think, I, like every time I hear it, I think, like, man, like, he was, he was so close. Maybe he did crack the code. Maybe I just haven't heard it yet, you know? Maybe like the 10th Insight, he vibrated out of existence. Might have, yeah. There's a lot of mystery around his we death. We share a birthday. I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a lot of mystery on his death. I would say though, really quick though, uh, if I was going to. He played bagpipes. Yes. Mm. Oh man. And there, dude, when he did it, it was wild. I've, I've got one. Anyway, oh my God. Um, the, the only, the, I, I guess the, the very quick book that, that I would recommend, uh, real, real quickly would be in light of our critical race theory and my recent travels would be John Steinbeck's travels with Charlie. Oh, that's a great, yeah. Be, because good, that's good selection. in that book. Uh, he detailed, that's his first trip to the South because he was from Salinas. Is that correct? I think Michigan, no, California. Well, I guess maybe he was born in the East, but he thought he was raised in Salinas Valley in California. So it was California. Um, but that yeah, was just a while ago. So he, he and his dog Charlie travel a country in his truck named after Don Quixote's horse, uh, Rocinante. And that's the first time he goes to the South and he discusses his discovery of the South and his puzzlement as to what was going on. And yeah. So travels with Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-E-Y. Okay. Uh, by John Steinbeck. Oh, damn. Cool, cool. June 25th, 2019, New York Times Magazine listed Albert Eiler among hundreds of artists whose material was reportedly destroyed in the 2008 Universal yeah, Fire. Yeah, bummer. Who knows, who knows what they hadn't released? Yeah. You know? I mean, if they were doing it on the basis of like, hey, this is fit for popular consumption, then probably none of it. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Generally, it's regarded that his career got worse as he went on because he made he tried to make more acceptable commercial music oh. because he'd made such high level music for so long that people like was he where did he live I thought you were going to say New the York? opposite yeah. yeah yeah he says he died in, died in Brooklyn at the age of 34 yeah they found him in the river and so there's speculation that there was a mob hit or that he owed somebody money or that something was going on his brother Donald Eiler was a very gifted trumpet player, but he suffered a nervous breakdown, had to drop out for a while. So, people definitely think there was some stuff upstairs going on. But but again, when you listen to the the music, man, it's like, and people don't like his Impulse records. Those are the last ones he did before he died, but they were more pop oriented. Right. I think that's why people didn't like it. But man, dude, I listen to those records. I love them. I think they're they're so fun and cool and great. 
Hey. Hey. Don Cleveland. He won't he won't listen an hour and a half in, but he's here. He just walked through the door. Maybe he'll listen that long he's, for this he's one. He's made it to the podcast. Yep. All right. Now now we can wrap it up. Don's made it. Now we can wrap it up. So until next week. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for sticking with and us. Sorry yep. for taking the week off, and we'll see you soon. Yes, yes, by far. Have a safe travels.